Welcome to coffeeis.me podcast, where me means you, or more precisely, us. This is the show where your host, Valerian, and Marcus, without using any interrogation techniques, convinces coffee professionals to reveal their secrets to teach and inspire you to make better coffee and earn a few bucks on the side, if that's what you fancy. Let the show begin. Hello, coffee lovers. Valerian here. Before we start, I have a few announcements. First of all, I would like to apologize for the quality of this recording. It seems that the audio recording gear we have right now, which is a simple Yeti microphone, is probably not enough for uh, sessions where we have multiple guests. So we decided to invest into some better gear, so stay tuned. Hopefully the next episode will be already much better than this one. Despite the quality of the recording, I hope you guys will enjoy the show as much as we enjoyed recording it, as you will hear very soon. The second announcement is about the contest you can hear on the end of the show. No, I'm not going to tell you what the contest is. The best way to find out is to listen to the whole show. But I forgot to mention the deadline for the contest. So let's just make a deadline, let's say, until the 12th of December. Kind of interesting date, right? 12th day of the 12th month in 2019. So until then, do what you're supposed to do. You can win coffeecourses.com membership. And finally, Marcus and I decided that it'd be awesome to meet you guys. So why not to have an end of year session where you guys can ask us questions and we can ask you questions. I think it could be an awesome end of the year. Of course, we're going to have plenty of awesome wine and coffee and everything. It'll be just an awesome, relaxed atmosphere so we can close 2019 with something really, really cool. We're planning to do this in San Rafael, California at the Boot Coffee Campus. So make sure your plane tickets are reserved. Make sure your hotel rooms are reserved because we expect thousands and thousands of people. All right, all right, all right. Maybe not thousands of people, but we still hope you're going to have uh, some of you there and we're going to have fun. And of course, this event is going to be for free. It's our treat for you guys because you are so awesome and keep listening to this podcast. So thank you again and let's continue with the show. Hey guys, welcome to Coffee Is Me podcast. Uh, my name is Valerian Rala. I'm the host and my co-host is also here, Marcus Young. Hey. Hi everybody, Valerian, hello. Thanks for bringing us some nice wine. And also greetings to our special guests today. Hi, I'm uh, Rick Appleton. I'm from Boston. I'm originally from England. And thank you for having me. Uh, I can tell that you're from England. I wonder why. Is it your face? No, I mean, when I go home, people think I sound American, so... Really? Yeah, I sound <laughs> British over here and an American in, in England, so... Uh, we're very British to me. hybrid now. Yeah, right? Practice the Boston accent a little bit more. I park my <laughs> car in Harvard Yard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and we also have... Abdurrahman uh, Gurbani from Saudi Arabia. And uh, also, thank you for having me as a guest today. Yeah, it's cool to have you guys. Mm -hmm. We've spent... Gurban and I have spent now almost two weeks together. He came out um, for some courses here at Boot Coffee Campus where we're recording. Um, took roasting last week and we're doing SCA sensory skills this week, which is also what brings Rick out here after what a few month hiatus from when you took the roasting course. Yes, took the roasting course about a couple of months ago. So it's cool to have you guys back and it's good to be back. 
as we're tackling sensory, kind of for these couple of episodes here. It was perfect to invite you to be our guest for this episode. Valerian can remind our listeners of our last episode. That's right. Uh, we had episode before where we talked about the comparison between wine and coffee tasting and our guest Eric Dench from uh, Dench and Granger uh, told us a lot, which I mean, I thought I do know a lot about wine world and you know, I got a lot of interesting information. I was like surprised. Yeah, I, I knew very little. It's If you haven't listened, go back and check it out because he talks a lot about not just tasting wine and the business of wine and the very unique wines that he's bringing to the U.S., but I learned a lot about the sales process of exactly. wine and how a wine importer interfaces with restaurants and markets and really, really cool. And it has my mind spinning um, about coffee. So, right. It's like I was like, you know, First, I was like, oh, this is too much maybe about wine. But then I was like, well, there's so many things you can apply in our own business. And we are blind to that because we always look in our own yard, right? We look at what the coffee, how the coffee is sold. But looking at the wine yard, I was like, oh, okay, I can I can take that idea and just implement it in, in let's say, my business. So it's kind of cool. That would yes. be awesome. So check it out for sure. But today, we progress to our second episode on sensory. And we're going to talk about uh, coffee and uh, the SCA sensory class. Yeah. Before we talk about coffee, as as we often start these podcasts, we have a lovely orange wine that we're enjoying. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. And we can toast Cheers. water as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we are culturally sensitive today uh, because not everybody drinks wine, of course, on the world. I'm just curious about this wine that Valerian brought. As I said, it's an orange wine. I know that this is one he made last year, and I know enough about orange wine to talk about its production a little bit, but I think we should have the winemaker take that honor. Oh, thank you. So we had this one before here. You know, orange wine doesn't mean that it's made of oranges. Actually, a very ancient way of making white wine, where you macerate the whole clusters, meaning the skin, the seeds, the, the, the whole... Stems, the whole bunch of grapes, exactly. everything you... Pluck off the, off the vine. Right, you spacerate them for a week, maybe two, depends, maybe even a longer time. And then you press them. And basically what you achieve is this kind of orange or amber color. color. And, you know, in traditional, actually I would say, in recent wine world, this is very unfashionable because white wine is pressed right away. Uh, it's more an ancient way of making white wines, which, you know, I enjoy. I want to try that out and I think they're not pretty interesting. And I think especially as, you know, as you and I are so interested in capturing those wild yeasts and bringing the microbiome to the idea of terroir. We've talked about this before, both in coffee and in wine. It seems like just one more opportunity to trap that biology that's in present on the skins. So I have a little game for Rick uh, here uh, because <laughs> you don't drink wine. So uh, I'll, I'll play with you. <laughs> Uh, and I also want to test, you know, how good trainer Marcus is, because I'm going to apply what you learned on SCA uh, sensory for coffee on this wine. Do you feel trapped yet, Rick? Well, we it, told you this well, it just certainly didn't fun. make the rice color. <laughs> <laughs> no, forget, forget the form. So, you know, I, I want to know uh, what do you smell on it? I want to know uh, the, your, what, what are your taste descriptors. I want you to focus on the body acidity and an aftertaste. 
And I'm especially curious about the aftertaste, but after you've finished all the other things. Okay. The smelling, I mean, I've been smelling so much coffee lately. <laughs> um, it's actually a very, um, I'm mean, forgetting that the SAA form is very refreshing smell. Um, I can definitely smell like floral, florality. Um, there's no, you know, some wines you get that sort of sulfite smell. It's very, very clean. Yeah, there's no sulfite uh, there. Yeah. I actually, you know, before you even said those questions by putting me on the spot, um, I think the aftertaste is very lingering, but it's very pleasant. Um, and I think it's got some sharp acidity to it. Nice. Which is, which is actually, I actually really like it. And I, I actually prefer red wine myself, mm -hmm. or the darker reds, you know, like a Malbec or something. But um, this is like a really deep, uh, non-oaky Chardonnay in a way. Mm -hmm. I'm not a wine expert, but it's, no, no, it's, it's got that nice clear mouthfeel to it, but you still have that lingering taste um, that you can still taste flavours. Does, it, does the aftertaste remind you of something? Um, I mean, I think... Especially I, after you swallow it. Let's say you wait, you know, like three, four, five seconds, you know, does, does something come up? I would say more flowers type, flowery plant, not flower as in, you know, milled flower, but plant flowers. Okay. You know, almost, uh, I actually feel it's very similar to, um, almost like a nettle wine. Okay. Have you ever had nettle wine? No. I used to make nettle wine in England years ago. We've um, got to get over to England and taste some of your grandfather's parsnip wines yeah, and now nettle wines. Wow. Uh, all the family finished off those bottles that were stored. <laughs> That's a nice send-off. Yeah, no, yeah. It, was, it was excellent. But yeah, no, I think it's very clean and crisp. Very Do you taste something now in, a, in your mouth? Like, what was it like? I still have that sort of lingering taste. I can't identify, you know, what specific flavors. Do you have that, uh, Marcus? Am I tasting the aftertaste? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. To me, there's some a, a couple of words that come to mind. Tell me. There's a reminiscent of like dry straw, dry mm -hmm. hay, reminiscent of like Parmesan cheese a little bit. Very gentle to me. It is. It's, it's, it's subtle. It's not upfront. It, it adds like this like base note to it, this like level of intrigue in that aftertaste. So um, I'm torturing you so much uh, with the aftertaste <laughs> because this wine is actually faulty. And faulty? Faulty, yeah, oh, but, okay. but in a very good way. So, you know, the, so in, in the wine world, which I like to work with, which is called the uh, natural wines or authentic wines, mm -hmm. we don't use sulfur, we use natural fermentation yep. and thoughts are going to happen. I mean, you must be freaking lucky to have a clean wine in there. But those faults are actually giving the character of the wine if in the right intensity. Okay. But I love the fact that, you know, it has actually two issues, I would say. Well, quotation mark issues. They actually work very well in this wine. First is the acidity. You identified very uh, exactly that acidity is, is shrieking. It's very high. Yes. Yeah. But because I use whole cluster maceration, it's also kind of very bold body. Mm -hmm. And kind of the aromatics are there, so they support that acidity. It doesn't bother you at all. Right. It's kind of balanced, right? And when it comes to the aftertaste, 
We talked in the last episode about a defect called the mouse. Yep, I've heard you say that. Yeah, so this one is actually a mousy wine. It's very, yeah. very gently. So, you know, it doesn't bother me. I can drink it day and night. And I remember Eric, when he first time had my wine, he said, you know, oh, this is mousy, but it's awesome. It's like, there's no issue with that. But it's actually this kind of hay popcorn taste, only an aftertaste. You don't smell it. Because as we talked about it, this is a freaky fault. This fault is only initiated in your saliva. It needs some acidity to be initiated. Right. And some people are blind to it. They cannot taste it at all. Some people are less sensitive to it, like me. I have to really look for it. Even in my own stuff, I have to kind of, okay, it's there, but I have to look for it. I know, like, my partner who made this wine with me, he's super sensitive to it. So he's like, actually, he's not very happy that this wine has that fault. You know, it and, just... And, yeah. and it is one of those funny faults. Like, natural wine is very forgiving of brats and some other things. And, you know, mouse is one that, even amongst some natural winemakers, they might say, just kill it. The wine's done. I mm. think this wine's great. Yeah. yeah and I, I think I it's... It does have this level of intrigue. I'm fairly sensitive to it. Um, I had a... But you are a professional taster too. Well, but, <laughs> you know, but I mean, I could be blind to it just as well, right? Yeah. And um, that's just physiology. But, you know, I've, I have a just a kind of mass market Pinot Noir at home. You know, it's not an expensive bottle. I think I paid almost nothing for it on closeout at Grocery Outlet. <laughs> but... Um, that's my wine secret for everyday wines. But, you know, I think on the market shelf, it's about a $20 bottle of wine. So, you know, kind of in the realm that you would expect some mm. interesting qualities. It's almost undrinkable mm -hmm. because wow. of the mouse in it. And it's like, it's in your mouth. As soon as you swallow, boom, it's just got this like barney, mm. animal-y funk to it. That's really mm. not pleasant. And, you know, I don't want to be evil to you. I just want to show you an example because I know today you guys had a problem with phenol. Yes. And phenol is in a coffee world, a fault, yes. which, you know, some people can be blind to or it's hard to recognize. But I heard that you guys didn't recognize it later, right? You, you yeah, couldn't. I was actually, initially I was blind to it because I actually missed that fault or even the taint, you know, as we could have um, perceived it as. But... And when we went back and tasted, and then I actually let it go really to the back of my throat, it was way overpowering. Did you get it in your nose? That kind of like... Uh... No, it was really right at the back of my throat, and it was just completely mouth-drying, and it was a taste that just wouldn't go away. What about you? Uh, like, I did the same, like, uh, I didn't get it the, the first try, <clears throat> but after, I just, like, what do you call it when you put the... Like lemon in your mouth. Yeah, it's the same feeling. Yeah, it's like when you put the cup in your mouth for a long time, you actually understand that there's something in it, like a dry mm. feeling. Oh, it was one of the worst. Yeah, and so, I and I think it, that experience was interesting. I mentioned that as Valerian did, people are blind to this sometimes, especially whatever compound they're using for these spiked artificial defects. But, but I think another truth of this is, and it could be the same with this mouse for you guys, but when we, you know, we've talked about this in the courses, when you talk about taste, we kind of are born knowing sweet is sweet, bitter is bitter, sour is sour, salty is salty. Maybe somebody has to explain umami to you, but I think there's a 
there's an evolutionary reason for identifying those tastes. Mm. Bitter could be poisoned, sour could be spoiled, sugar is quick energy. Mm. And there's only five tastes, right? Mm. But when we talk about aroma, which by extension gets us to talking about flavor, there's thousands of aromas that humans can recognize. Mm. But until somebody has introduced you to one, right. you don't have a name for it. You don't even know what it is. And you might miss it entirely. So I wonder how much of that is yeah, related absolutely. to that issue as well. So I think tomorrow, just for fun, um, these guys are taking a test tomorrow. So we need to have some fun as well. <laughs> fun is the wrong word, but I'll spike coffee again with some defects and give you a chance to try to find, find one just as an exercise. So the funny thing about the flavor is uh, that in science, you know, uh, you can experience it retronasally and orthonasally. Yes. So, and our receptors have said that some of the, uh, some of the, uh, when you smell something, by the time it gets on the end, it evaporates, it's not there. So that's why it's very important when you do uh, cupping that you retronasally breathe out because it turns, you know, around. So basically then you, initiates the back sensors and they got the first uh, kind of impression of the compounds. And what's what's fascinating, I was reading up on this, is that we have, you know, three types of kind of receptors. Ones are like active, you have them there. Ones are sleeping, so that you can activate them, but they're just for some reason sleeping. And once some of them are not existent in you because they simply are evolutionary are dead. I mean, you don't need them. Some people have them, some people don't. So, you know, I always hope if I'm, let's say, less sensitive to some compound, I hope they're just sleeping because actually you can train them to wake them up. If, you, if you're around that defect, if you're around that, you know, fault or whatever, you can kind of wake them up, which happened to me with, with phenol. Actually, yeah, phenol was the one which, you know, I kind of like sometimes had a problem because I used to drink a lot of Turkish coffee and they are kind of phenolic, you know, the, the, we talked about the... Bosnia. The real meanest yeah, the defect of coffees that are imported to that region of the world. It's kind of, it was kind of normal to me. I right. did not recognize it. So we started with defect, but let's talk about some fun things. <laughs> so did you learn something which fascinated you that you went like, oh boy, this will change my life? Uh, like I'd say that, like we've been discussing it before, like uh, it, opened, it opens your mind more like, you forget about your own perception of coffee. Like if you like that coffee, that doesn't mean makes it a better coffee. Like you're working with the SAA standards more often. Like that's fascinating about it. Like you're removing the bias thing about you. So you just tend to tend to <laughs> yeah like you just tend to do something that's written, like following some rules, which is. I'd say good because it opens your mind more about coffee. Like you understand the basics or the things that are like considered to be complex or good about coffee, even if it doesn't like if you if you, even if you don't like that coffee. Yeah, fantastic, excellent. Mm. How about you, Rigby? Do you learn something? Yeah, I, I found this week really fascinating. So I'm very new to coffee this year, actually. And, um, you know, I'm opening up my own business and I did the roasting course because, you know, I'm a big coffee fan and, I, you know, I want to open up my own roastery. So 
I found that fascinating. We touched on um, you know sensory analysis and the science around sensory as part of that roasting course. This week, I think, it's brought it to a completely different level for me, um, really, because I didn't know how um, scientific it really is, and then understanding, you know, all the different um, aromas and flavors that are available and how to identify those. You know, I've definitely found some of my weaknesses in some of the, you know, the, the, the smells um, in the, you know, the distal vials that I just can't distinguish. I can smell them, but I can't relate to what they are. Um, you know, some of them are clear to me that, you know, it should be obvious ones, rubber, coriander <clears throat> seeds. I actually really struggle with those two, you know, using the vials. You do. Because I, I find it, you know, I, I think, you know, I've had... Um, some physical changes, you know, on surgeries in the back of my throat and my nose before. So, you know, I think I keep thinking it must be something to do with that. But I think the more the weeks progressed, um, you know, really understanding, you know, you do the exercises and then when Marcus sort of goes through and we calibrate ourselves as scores, etc., really understanding how you sort of found that sensory uh, perception, you know, it gives you a different mindset. <clears throat> So I think you know. I think this is this whole week's been really fascinating. More around there's so much to coffee, which I you know I found out just on the roasting course. It's so complex, but the science around it um, is is absolutely amazing. It's 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 really exciting, but it's an awful lot to learn. You know, there's chemistry, there's biology, there's everything in that coffee bean that yeah. you, you sort of have to unravel, and then just you know having solutions or even the grounds and, and you know doing the fragrance and the aroma and then you know testing the flavors and the body and the acidity and then identifying all those flavors from the flavor wheel um you know and understanding all of the you know the, the different sweet sour salty you know going through those solutions it's you know you think oh this this is this should be easy it's actually really taxing on on your on your body on your brain, yeah. On your brain as well. I mean, you know, we had a discussion earlier on where all of a sudden we were all feeling fatigued, you know, because yeah. the brain activity is so much with it. So it's, it's really interesting for me to come into a brand new career, really try and learn as much as I can about the subject matter, you know, for what my core business is going to be. Um, this week's been a real eye-opener. I think this is one of those very, you know, defined areas of skill that I really need to make sure I'm constantly practicing and testing every opportunity to just keep it on top of it. So if you come home, uh, how you guys are going to apply this knowledge? Like what, 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 like I know it's very complicated. I mean, you cannot learn cupping from one course. You can learn the methodology, you can learn, you know, how to approach it. Of course, practice makes the master. Mm. So if you come home, how we, how can you apply this? Uh, like how do I apply it in my own businesses? So, so what? Yeah. So for example, what did you learn to, uh, to during this week that you can come home and say, yeah, I'll be much better at this. I mean, uh, just understanding the whole idea of how to taste that this coffee, like thinking about the whole aromas and tasting and what is good, what is bad, and just detecting all these defects. Like it, I'm like I took the roasting course, so. I might be buying beans, so this would be good for me to actually 
choose better grading beans, better uh, quality, high quality, and actually like detect these defects. And even for roaster, like trying new profiles and just tasting, doing these uh, triangle tests, and uh, just developing more and more and testing and testing and as you said, like practice. With more practice, you'll understand more and more, especially that we're calibrated towards like Marcus. So hopefully, like we will make better coffee. And then that's the whole idea. Yes. And and if, uh, speaking of calibration, right? It was nice that we had a guest cupper today, Ben. He also had taken some classes here, and he recently went and took his cue over at Royal Coffee with my friend Candice. So it was nice to have him come back and cup with us and see that he and I are still calibrated, which means that you're not just calibrated mm -hmm. to me, but you're becoming hopefully calibrated to the industry. industry yes. I always like to cup with students, and like in Ben's case, because it keeps me sharp also. I mean, like I've noticed, like he's also closely calibrated to us also, even though we didn't mm -hmm. meet him just for today. And I'd say like the, this calibration idea of tasting, it's like communication between us. It's like a bond, I'd say. Yeah, it's really amazing how just the calibrating coffee and how we taste and how the way we see coffee is actually like similar to some others, even though we're not from the same country or anything. Yeah, yeah that's a beautiful concept. Mm. I really love it. You know, I have to say one thing that uh, I hope Eric is not listening, but I, I, was, I, I saw how he was surprised that the coffee is so sophisticated when it came to cupping. He used the word science, like because like yeah. we asked him to share some thoughts about what he witnessed. Yeah, and I think he was like genuinely surprised that there's so much into coffee. And you know, when I'm and I asked him the question, and he kind of like you know did not go too deep into it. Uh, if wine industry has something similar, I don't think they do, and that's why you know wine industry has so much BS in the in you know in in descriptors and everything, you know. Despite the fact that I love the wine industry, I mean, don't it's not like criticism of it. It's a criticism of the fact that they don't do enough, you know, blind tasting. And I do understand that every wine or every yeah wine, every coffee should have a story. But the yeah. first level of testing should be totally without any, you know, bias. They should be totally like for me, not doing blind cupping is just silly. It's just a waste of time, you know. So. Marcus, what's the difference between the SCA uh, sensory and the cubulator? I can say that because I did both, <laughs> but I want you to do that. Yeah, no, so it's, um, yeah, the SCA course is a really interesting program. I think it's, you know, to my mind, they're both great courses to take to improve your skills as a taster, to understand your limitations as a taster. And they're just, you know, in some ways, put yourself to the test. I do think the Q is a more rigorous program, that the tests are, are more challenging, and that it it is the gold standard for coffee sensory. But it also isn't the whole picture. It's, you know, in some ways, the Q is a little bit more narrowly defined than the SCA curriculum. It's really designed to be a program to score and describe coffees using the SCA cupping form so that you have a communication tool so that a farmer, a producer, can have an equal seat at the table when it comes to discussing the value of that coffee. 
And I think that's kind of the aspirational goal for the whole program. Mm. And of course, there's solutions, exercises, and triangle tests, and the Linedu Cafe, and all these things that improve your sensory skills. But what it doesn't kind of step back and make explicit is if you're a coffee roaster, in addition to your purchasing decisions, how might you use some of these skills in your day to day? And the SCA course really breaks that down. We really talk about okay, you're going to do a triangle test. Why would you ever do a triangle test in your business? Mm. Okay, you've done a triangle test. How do you analyze the results and assess, you know, is a coffee that I'm trying to pass or fail, is it a pass, right? Your statistical analysis comes into play. Um, so I think they're different in that way. Mm. I think the SCA course is an awesome step to getting your cue, but I think it also stands on its own. And if you're a barista trainer, a retail manager, a production manager in a roastery, the SCA might be more appropriate. Yeah, I think I totally agree with that because, you know, I did the roasting course, as I mentioned, and then since then I've been doing sample roasting. I bought the Akawa Pro and I've been buying beans. I've actually been cupping my own coffees and tasting. Um, my wife's got great taste and sensory skills too so she's been giving me great feedback i mean she's not a coffee expert but she's slowly becoming one <laughs> but i think going after you know attending this course this week i feel really equipped going back knowing now you know the cupping i've been doing you know which is great just having my own personal views but i i, I feel really equipped you know through um marcus's training to how do I really need to set up a sensory program within my new business? I'll give you a hundred bucks for that plug in the way. <laughs> <laughs> it cost me 150, but I'll help. Well, that was off a discount for the next question. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I think, you know, not only that, it's, you know, what type of tests are applicable for what stages of the, you know, the, the production line, if you want to call it that. But really then some of those tests, even though they may not be applicable to me, you know, when I first open up my roastery and stuff, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be very small staff, but I can still play around with them really to improve my sensory analysis. Um, you know, so it's really given me a really good foundation this week. Mm. I, I'm actually, you know, especially today, just talking about, you know, sensory science in a way, um, you know, it's a great tool to put in my toolbox and go back and just continue learning. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, I did take the both courses. I always wanted to be a Q grader because, you know, Q grader. But then I was like, yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting. Let me take those to the sensory with Marcus. I was more curious about your style of teaching and stuff. And I was very pleasantly surprised because I'm a coffee entrepreneur, not a buyer. I mean, I do buy coffee, but for, like, in the first case, I'm an entrepreneur. For me, the SCA sensory made more sense. Because exactly like you described, there's a lot of practical, you know, application for different yeah. tests. And it's not only the cupping, but, you know, there was a triangulation, there's different kind of triangulation. Talking a bit about the statistics, how they work, and, you know, how many, you know, triangulation you have to do to get some real data. You know, I forgot everything, but I know where to find it. It's, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's kind of cool to know. And I think that was, I was very presently surprised by the SCA sensor. You know, I was thinking that it's kind of like a soft, you know, um, extraction of the Q grader. No, it's not. It's it's a different direction, and you know, I 
I think that I would highly recommend it to everyone to start with. Mm. Yeah, thanks. And then we do dry this stuff out of coffee, right? We do a chocolate tasting as part of it. Yeah. And, you know, here we're kind of tasting casually wine, but sometimes we'll taste other, you know, teas or wines or water. soda pop or water. Yeah, <laughs> water. Yeah, my too is water. It's good. especially here. Oh, the top water you have it clean. Yeah, that's true. You know, my dad is super sensitive to water. And, uh, you know, I mean, I was a kid, I always like, oh, this is a horrible water. I was like, it's a water. What is it? What are you talking about? But now, for example, if I go to Sonomai and have the water or have a Berkeley water or have the Marion water here, which are very, we are very lucky. The water mm. here is amazing. It is. But Sonoma, it's disgusting. You know, I was in Hawaii. It was so bad because, you know, they, it's really highly treated. You have a lot of fluoride and chemicals in it and it just, you taste it. So yeah, you can, you can do a water tasting for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, some people might not agree. Like they say, everyone is better than, let's say, what's other types? Uh, the sunny. The sunny, yeah. Which they're literally different, a whole different. Even if you, let's say, use it in coffee, like you have different uh, TDSs, different solvables, salts, and this stuff. Yeah. They're really different. Yeah, and it's. And I think, I mean, that's cool to hear you say that, right? Mm -hmm. There's no reason you couldn't go back to your homes and set up a water tasting. Yes, right. Taste coffees brewed with different waters. Mm -hmm. Try it with distilled water. Try it with really hard water. Try it with the bottled water. Try it with your top water. How does the coffee taste? Toilet water. Just try it. Maybe my cat. You know what I learned? The first thing which was for me revelation. You know, we can ask this question. And for me, it was very simple. Like, uh, I, one of the first classes I have had was with, actually, no, I was filming Willem for our coffeecourses.com. And he kind of explained how you should cup, you know, your slurping. And then he kind of paused and said, you have to breathe out through your nose after you swallowed. It's like, it sounds kind of like, oh yeah, we don't do that humans. Like many, very few humans do that. If you start doing that with anything, with chocolate, with wine, with mashed coffee, potatoes, mashed potatoes, your world changed. And mm. you know, I, my, my world changed. You know, I was doing coffee for 10 years. Mm. I was doing coffee for 10 years and I never, and even now sometimes I'm like, I don't get this coffee. I'm like, oh wait, because I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. Swallow the beverage, obviously, so you don't choke and then breathe out yeah, through your time. nose. And because, you know, taste is, Smell right. You you have it. You have to pick it up in your in your in your nose. Uh, so you know that for me, very simple thing, changed the world. How I taste things. And maybe I became fatter because I started to eat more. No, I'm kidding. But it's it's really kind of like fascinating for me. Yeah, a simple thing, super mm, simple that's thing. That's great. I I'm curious for both Corbin and and Rick. How has your approach to coffee changed since you've been studying coffee now? Do you find that you like different coffees, that you, <laughs> that you have a greater appreciation for what you're already drinking? I'm just curious. Uh, the answer to that is immensely yes. Um, it's, it's funny, actually, because when I lived in England, I was really a tea drinker because, you know, back then, uh, the specialty coffee really wasn't around. It was more instant coffees and, you know, they had very good teas over there. You know, I moved to the US and, you know, I sort of migrated to finding some really good coffees and, you know, I, I became a coffee drinker and I, I really 
experimented a lot with coffees. Um, I bought a lot of different coffees. You know, I paid good money for coffee, um, but I was always a dark roast, you know, guy. Um, you know, because those you, you always have good standby and go to, don't you? You know, a big commercial chain Starbucks and everyone else, they all do the dark roasts. And I never really experienced the uh, the lighter roasts. I mean, there is one brand that obviously everyone knows it in, in Massachusetts and New England is, you know, they do all the lighter roasts. Is that George Howell? We're not afraid to name names. No, 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 no. <laughs> no Dunkin' Donuts. Ah, Dunkin' Donuts. Very good donuts. Okay, we're not comparing um, George never, yet. You know, it's too, too, too mild for me. So I came on the roasting course, you know, and, you know, the good thing with, Food coffee as well is you you allow us to roast some really good quality beans mm. you know even though we screw up some roasts yeah. you know we, we get to taste what real good coffee is like you mean the gay chefs yeah oh, yeah i love that so thanks guys ever <laughs> since ever since that roasting course you know i have not drunk a single dark roast i've tried actually i tried drinking the you know after about a month i tried drinking um, one of the darker roasts that I used to always buy, and it tasted way over roasted petroleum. I had all these sort of gasoline flavor notes. Wow. And I was amazed. Um, so I've been, you know, playing around doing the sample roasting. I've been doing the sort of the medium, the light medium, um, changing my profiles, just experimenting. But there's some really good flavors that come out of these lighter coffees um, and you've got a really good quality bean and you're just making that coffee so exciting just by how you're roasting it and, and you know the flavors you get out of it so I've definitely gone 360 degree on, on, on what I drink hmm. but doesn't 360 degrees means that like I started, uh, like, unlike Rick, like, uh, I knew specialty coffee, like, not long ago, like, I'd say two years only, like, it's fairly new in the Saudi Arabian, uh, like, culture, but it's growing really fast. So, like, I started drinking coffee when I was four years old, I'd say, like, my first coffee was from Dunkin' Donuts, so, yeah, it's really good coffee. Um, <laughs> yeah, we good. have to ask Dunkin' Donuts to sponsor this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we need some cash no, for fair. wine. <laughs> Too bad my good buddy's not buying coffee for them anymore. We would have had an end. No, I, mean, I mean, coffee and uh, donuts, I mean, they're a good mix. You can't say no to it. I mean, sugars, you know, just dipping your coffee, eating. Do you want to uh, uh, gossip? You know, really hate donuts? really like gets angry if donuts yeah. come around i'd say willem willem boot yeah <laughs> sorry <laughs> willem. So you guys picked that out right away yeah. he looks like a guy who doesn't he, yeah he doesn't look like someone who wants to eat sweets i'd say no he likes sweets i you know well i was surprised that i was you know volunteering for a queue one day because i'm always interested to meet other people and it's just fun to kind of you know uh be around and somebody brought donuts as a as a gift, you know, it was a very nice gesture. Mm. And he got really angry. 
oh, it's like, how can you like that thing? And I feel like I'm not going to touch those. I'm not going to touch them. I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of donuts myself, but I'm not, I don't get angry about them. Yeah, so. and I'm happy to have half a donut. I mean, yeah, it's just exactly. <laughs> funny. Sorry, Milan. <laughs> no, that's... So back to your story. Sorry. Back to my story, yeah. So, like, uh, like, yeah, as I said, uh, it's fairly new, the speciality coffee scene. And I just got into it, like, the idea of, like, we always drink coffee, like, we appreciate coffee, but we used it for only caffeine, I'd say. Like, people only drink coffee, oh, just to stay up. But when I learned about specialty coffee, like, learned how much that small bean, like, it's so deep. Every time you learn something new, there's a whole seas of knowledge. Like, it just, I'd say, like, pulled me to it. Like, it... It was fascinating. That that made me more and more interested in the subject. Like I was reading more books. Like I told you, like uh, I read a whole lot of books. I was really interested. Like uh, tried everything. Like I was. Uh, I worked as a barista and also manager in a cafe for a while. Now I'm managing, uh, developing coffee tastes and. Uh, training also in the new cafes I'm working with. So it's really nice. Like how even every day, even though I had some experience, like in the like before two weeks, but after this courses, especially the sensory ones, like I've understood more and more how much it's big, even bigger than I thought. Like it was really complex, I'd say, like how your preference changes. Like, mm. You know, you know how is good coffee, and you can compare actual bad coffee. Even the good coffees are considered bad compared to other coffees. Not, it's not about how you like that coffee. It's about the reality of the standards or how they taste. So it really opens your mind. Let's say, Make sure. that's cool. And yeah, I I love that. And, and it, it, that idea, right? Of there's you know, preference and mm. favorites and things, that's all subjective and that's fine, yeah. right? That's, that's fine. cool. Mm. But, you know, we need this objectivity because of purchasing and prices yeah. and, you know, and that's, yeah. you know, quality should be objective. Mm. But your comments, especially coming from, from where you live in Saudi, mm. it always makes me wonder, like, how do the coffees that are popular here, and you've mm. done some cafe tours and you drink yeah, a lot of coffee back home, is there a difference in what people are drawn to and what people think of as uh, high-quality coffees here than at specialty shops back home? Not quite different, but like the roast profiles are fairly similar. That's what, one of the reasons why I wanted to learn roasting. I wanted to change that. Like most of the profiles are medium roasts, medium to dark roasts, or medium, medium, just medium. So they don't tend to do the light roasts. They hate it for some reason. They find it more acidic, more, and I think these some in some coffees these are actually uh, good notes, like the Ethiopians, for example. I'd love to see more acidic Ethiopians than the rough tasting or roasted tasting, you know. So I would love to change that whole idea, like mm. like be a pioneer there for more co coffee, you know, like uh, what do you call it, like the person. The, the, like I would love to give more information about on uh, specialty coffee, like open their mind more. 
and show them that it's not just that you can do even better like they're just using the same grade more uh, like copying their, each other they're not going out of the box and that's ah, okay. really bad I'd say yeah okay you know Marcus always uh, puts me under the bus with Robusta now it's my turn I want you to think of uh, they caught wow. Robusta this morning it was Excellent. Good for them. Uh, I want you to uh, think of one thing what Marcus should improve in his education. A hundred percent. I want to hear this too. It's a softy. It's a no, softy put on the bus. I think, you know, I'll, I'll go first because I think mine's... You're pretty... quick with this, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go use the restroom, I think. <laughs> I think, you know, I think, you know, this is a, a good plug for boot coffee. I mean, I did, before I even just signed up here, I did a lot of research mm. and um, and you guys have the best reputation and it's clear why. I think the biggest thing that I would say to Marcus that he must do even by, you know, by tomorrow on our last day is make more coffee. <laughs> oh, you know, that's I, a soft, that's a soft. I, heard, I, no, no, it's to, serious. I need to drink more coffee. Oh, I heard that. Bad. I heard that. You know, so the people on the courses were like, you know, oh, did you run off coffee? And you both you have a presentation, so you don't brew any more mm -hmm. coffee. And they're kind of disappointed that you know they want more coffee. I know. Yeah, but you but, know, joking aside, I actually think the the whole program is so balanced, and, mm, your, yes. and your 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 you know the style of teaching and coaching and mentoring is. Is great. Oh, all all you. of you guys, are, you just you feel like you're home when you come. Even as I get like defensive now and say, you know where the damn brewing equipment <laughs> is. You know where there's stacks of coffee. You know where the hot water and the filters I would, are. I would volunteer, but we're always washing up and cleaning up. Or <laughs> setting up. Touche, touche. Okay, okay. <laughs> and, and and it's fair comeback. I was teasing Rick later earlier today yeah. about just how much coffee he drinks. I mean, I think I, yeah. I think I drink a lot of coffee, but I kind of drink a lot of like two to four ounce cups at strategic times throughout the day. Mm -hmm. So it's, I don't yeah. think about the filling my mug. Right. Tomorrow I'm going to give you a full <laughs> diner mug of coffee. I look, I look forward to it. <laughs> Do we have any criticism towards Marcus? Please no, help actually, me. Toss him under the bus. I want to toss him. I think uh, he should just, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have anything against him, but... but Nobody does! <laughs> I know you don't want to be against me, that's why I want this criticism. Um, no, no, you're actually really patient for a teacher, instructor, like you have that... Uh, like you're humble. You're not the, the kind of teacher that shows off or... Like, no, you're patient. You actually uh, like give us a vi the vibe to be positive and be better. Even the way you gave us the test, like it was... Not to test it, it was a friendly way, you know. So the approach it uh, it actually helps the students more. So like, I'm hearing more coffee and more yelling and put downs. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> no I'm, I'm joking. I'm, I'm saying the opposite of what you said. So yeah, but yeah, like it's one of the ways. Like I wish that some people actually in my country, like I wish that one day. They have people like you and you got and also Willem and uh, I'm sorry, Valerian, your name is very hard to say. I, I, but you did very well, so thanks. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I wish like some people would actually teach other people in the way that you teach. Like, you have that great technique that actually you would understand everything. 
especially the patients. Oh, that that helps a lot. This podcast is going to cost me a fortune. Yeah. With, with the payoffs to these students. <laughs> <laughs> but no, and I think sometimes it's humble to a fault. I think both both Valerian and I are not very likely to kind of promote ourselves or talk about our accomplishments or even our pasts maybe as much as we should but unless if someone asks you i guess you know why is it and i'm talking about you not about myself i think that you know socrates said that more you know the less you know and i think more you learn about coffee and everything you more humble become because you suddenly realize it's so much more you just can't gasp and you kind of get timid and shy the people who kind of just scratch the surface they don't see that yet and maybe they're more cocky i was cocky yes, I, I was very cocky you know i used I, to be very cocky. i probably was too it's it's the famous i mean you know right. it's the famous example of the barista that's been behind the bar for 18 months mm-hmm. and is going to tell you all about the coffee that maybe you imported built the relationship with the farmer and mm-hmm. did quality control initiatives yeah. and that guy's going to come in and tell you all about why this coffee is the greatest it's it happens. It happens mm-hmm. in lots of industries. That's why I'm so excited to be doing wine and just know just enough to be totally dangerous in my right. pronouncements because it's something totally new that I know very little about. And mm. I'm just reading and grasping and like consuming information as fast as possible. Some of it's probably bullshit. And that's okay. I have a good mentor to set me straight. Oh, thank you. you know, I, think I hope you, you met myself. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, what, what um, you know, you guys have here the boot coffee really has made it evident to me i mean your level of transparency and support that you offer and guidance yes. you, i found that everyone i've spoken to in the coffee industry is just so collaborative collaborative right. mm. thank you so much is this turning everyone into- wants to help each other <laughs> no, we're going to stop this being a pitch for boot coffee now because you know yeah. it was it worked great <laughs> <laughs> we send invoice to villain boot <laughs> No, it's 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 not, you know. But here's the thing, like you know, um, like five years ago, uh, I decided that every year I will, you know, learn a new skill, and it has to be kind of a sensory th- stuff. And it was unrelated to coffee at that time. So you know, I had a year of beer, which I didn't enjoy to make, you know, and I was like, okay, this is not really for me. But I learned a lot about how, let's say, hop works when you put the hops in, you know, how to adjust the bitterness and and the aromatics. Then the next year was the year of uh, sour, uh, like uh, fermentation, especially the you know like sauerkraut and stuff like that. Then I had a year of of bread and sour, like a sourdough bread, sourdough pizza. Then a year of wine, chocolate, you know. And I really like to go deep into these topics. And suddenly I realized that all this, what you learn from off, you know, coffee, not not uh, so industry is not related to coffee. You can apply in coffee. You understand it much easier. The fermentation, for example, is so important. I mean, we use fermentation all the time, right? Dry process is fermentation, you know. Wet process is fermentation. You know, the enzymes are always changing. And once you understand this, like, everything is kind of like clearer, you know. So, 100%. Wine was so much more interesting to step into now than it would have been maybe 10 years ago before mm-hmm. it spent more time on coffee farms and working mm-hmm. on processing. Because of just that. It's yeah. so fascinating to draw those parallels. I mean, coffee, that's what, like, co- before coffee, I was ignorant. Uh, uh, how do you say it? Ignorant? Ignorant. Ignorant. Okay, okay. Uh, anyway, so, yeah. 
after coffee, like it opens your mind, not just in coffee, like in the whole life. Like you might go, like in my, for my, like in my life, like for some reason I was interested into philosophy because of coffee, because mm -hmm. there's a philosophical term, like everyone has his own perspective in coffee. So I've entered that realm of knowledge. And then somehow I mixed the psychology thing, like because I had a, an interest in psychology when I was younger. So everything mixes up with each other. Like, like that's the beauty of it, especially coffee. Like coffee has a lot of things, a lot of industries combined together in one. Yeah, hospitality to hospitality, yeah. Cafes. science to medicine with even geography. The health so. of it, of course, yeah. yeah. Geography and sociology. It's uh, sociology. Yeah, that's the most I think, it, especially in the, the sensory skills. Yeah, oh, you, interesting. You that, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, because you are so awesome, I have some special treat for you guys. Uh, let's open this bottle. It looks like a beer bottle, but it's not. Uh, you can get extra scores if you can uh, repeat what what it, the style is called in Hungarian. It's called tunkri bor. Tunkri bor. Almost. Tunkri bor. Tunkri bor. 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 Yeah. Bo. So good job, by the way. I know it's a mouthful. The thing is that uh, bor is wine in Hungarian. Tunkri is basically what's left of after press. It's called pamas in English. Mm -hmm. You know, if you press, you have this leftover of you know, skins and stuff. So, you know, um, like in old times uh, in Hungary, you had you had wine which you drink and you use and you sold, and there was a wine which you gave to your workers. So this is the stuff you gave to your workers, meaning that you took your pumice, you know, the leftovers, added a little water and repressed it. So what you got is kind of lower alcohol, kind of weird drink. And it's great because if you work in a field, you don't want to get drunk, you know, so you just kind of, you know, plow uh, through that. And the reason, I mean, this is a forgotten thing, even in Hungary today, nobody makes it anymore. But I saw, I was last in a row. Row is a big festival for natural winemakers. And there was a guy who was often picked. And I was like, what's picked? And he was always oh, in France, a special drink. And he explained exactly what we have. It's having a huge renaissance. It's expensive. It's when expensive. You find it in like a wine bar or imported yeah. from France. So it's more expensive than, you know, like a regular, let's say, Petnet or other, you know, wine. I was like, why? It costs nothing, you know. So this year we made some with Marcus and the Uriah, your lovely wife. And uh, we are opening it. So this is the premiere of Picket. I, I don't know what should we call it. Uh, uh, Marcus Devora Valerian Pickett. And uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I wish that we had done one with uh, French Colombard. This is a Moldavia, but yeah. we could call it like Two Palms Picket, which could be a nice brand for our pickets. Uh, I'm pouring. Uh, and I want you to smell it first, because I think that's... Uh, Okay, so Rick, you go. What you smell? That's a tough one. Marcus? It's peach. It just mm. smells like fresh peaches. It almost smells like that sort of cheap peach nectar you can buy in a can at the yeah. supermarket. I disagree. It smells like water, I'd say. <laughs> well, well, okay, okay. You, you don't. You cannot drink it, but you can smell it. So yeah, smell it. Smell it. Yeah. 
like Haribo. You know Haribo? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know Haribo yeah. bears, yeah. The fake kind of beach. 100%. Mm. It's like over the top, right? Mm -hmm. Like Definitely. It is. It's very candied smell. That, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. That's I love that descriptor. For me, it's kind of floral too. Like, yeah. uh, you know, uh, elderflower flowers? Like this is kind of elderflower yeah, uh, element yeah, to it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Now you have me thinking a cocktail, a little of this. Sparkling water, Saint Germain. A good base for a cocktail. Yeah, so this one is very low alcohol. It's uh, probably six, seven percent, you know, versus what you know, regular wines around twelve to fourteen, right? So it's really light. I wish we managed to get bubbles, but we didn't because some technical errors. Yeah, either technical errors or these grapes, despite our ancient way of making them, came from a very technified farm. But there's a little effervescence there, right? There's just a little bit. Or is it done? It's interesting. I don't know. It's got a sourness to it as well, though, isn't it? It's what? It's got a sourness to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the acidity is is very pronounced. It's like... And here's the thing, like, you know, uh, one thing which makes wine sour or unpleasantly sour or acidic is uh, VA. We talked about it uh, with Eric, and it's called volatile acidity. That's caused, well, caused by a few things, but mainly by acidobacter. It's the same guys. Who, same guys who make vinegar for us. Okay. So uh, this one does have that VA issue, not too much, mm -hmm. but it's the acidity is not, let's say, crisp like malic like apples, but it's more like you know like a bit vinegary, cidery, yeah. right? So and it's, and it's and it's interesting. It's not like sharp and pointed. Mm -hmm. It's not like acid. Mm -hmm. It's just this acid that just sits throughout. Even now in the aftertaste, it's been a minute since I've had a sip. That acidity is still kind of active on my palate. Right. So that's uh, our treat for being so nice to <coughs> us. <laughs> I, I opened a small bottle of this as a little um, you know, palate cleanser before dinner the other night with um, with my wife's aunt who came over for dinner. And, you know, she had a. I looked over and we were ready to like get into the very nice like two thousand one Oregon Pinot that she brought. Um, as dinner was getting ready, she still had almost a full glass of this. And I was like, you don't have to drink this at Linda. Like, I'm happy to take it off right. your hands. And she didn't like it? No, she went for it. I think it was, you know, these, these things were so interesting because if somebody hands you something and tells you that, you know, hey, this is from grapes, it's fermented, right. you know, whatever. I didn't tell her much about it, but it certainly doesn't come across as, as wine. So you know, being open-minded is such a, can be such a leap for... Mm. For folks when you give them something out of the norm something that's like the very light acidic ethiopians that you're describing back home yeah. that you'd like to bring to the market mm. i i had the uh so if i remember correctly that at raw when i had the picket you know it was much more cidery not very interesting to me actually i was not enjoying that much this one has that peach which i think is fascinating that peach really lifts up the whole thing so it's, it's really very nice in the mouthfeel like Despite the fact that it's just grape skins and stems and seeds and water and it's a week of time or yeah. four days, however long, I forget how long we let them soak. One day, because I had to. Yeah, because I had to oh, return the press. The bend, yeah, 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 that's right. Um, so. But yeah, it's fascinating. It's fun. It's what you can make from trash, right? <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you very much, guys. And uh, Marcos doesn't know this, but. Uh, 
I decided to make a contest for our listeners. Don't worry, it's not your money. <laughs> not your house. <laughs> no, it's like, you know, we didn't ask for any reviews or anything. So, but, you know, it really helps the podcast when other people know. And, you know, we don't want to, you know, tell us just, you know, crazy, but also tell us what you want to hear. Tell us, you know, how can we improve and what if, you'd like to listen to. If you have somebody that you think would be a cool guest, somebody right. who in your in your town or in your region, you're kind of, people are looking to as an innovator mm-hmm. or a leader in coffee or other products, turn us on to that too. So uh, they leave us reviews on uh, the Apple podcast. You know, that's one app. Uh, you can leave us podcasts on any other uh, platforms you listen to. If you listen to other, on other podcast on other platforms, um, please send me also email that you left a review there because I can only follow the Apple podcast platform. Gosh, that's so complicated. They used to call it iTunes. So once you leave the uh, review, I'll select you into the uh, pot and then I'll select one of you and you guys will win. One of you will win one year of coffeecourses.com membership, which is at this point 500 bucks. So it will be all yours. All you have to do is leave us a review, hopefully it's five stars. I mean, we survive four stars, but we try to make it for five stars. But their name goes in no matter what? No matter what, yeah. Yeah, no matter what. Even if you leave one star. But, you know, one star, leaving one star, I said, I don't like it. That doesn't work with me, as we talked about it in the last podcast. If you leave us one star and tell why one star, yeah, you are in a pot. You can win it. But don't leave us one star, for heaven's sake. Please. Leave us five stars and tell us why. And what you'd like to hear more of for us to continue to earn your reviews. Yeah, so... Share your podcast with the wine friends, because you always talk about wine. Mm. Well, wine is, you know, I think that wine is... A good in we need the wine with Marcus to get through it, you know. So uh, also What you said you, you really need wine to get through recording a podcast yeah. with Marcus? Yeah. Whoa, yeah exactly. There is that toss under the bus, Valerian. There you go. <laughs> Finally. Cheers. <laughs> I do want to say Rick scored the Robusta amongst the highest coffees on the table today. Oh, you did? I didn't. Yeah, it was, it was my, uh, oh, and everyone scores, I scored it the highest. I think yeah. it was my third one. Yeah, so, so not, not too bad considering yeah, it, was, it, was, it was good. I mean, it wasn't that bad. But <laughs> it tasted just like Thank the, you. for me. I mean, no, I, no, I'm always open-minded about that. And no, I that's think why that, it's fun to tease you about this. Yeah, sure. Back and, forth. and I think, you know, the, uh, the fact that we do the wine is more like open but tasting wine is similar. Like maybe you can taste next time chocolate or something. But you know, as I said, I enjoy the wine. <laughs> so uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming to the podcast and yeah. saying such a kind words about yeah, us. Cheers, guys. Thank you. And I look forward to tomorrow where we get to spend the last day together. And it's a wrap. And hopefully we don't fail. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs>